As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They are conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guests today are Lisa Lowenthal and my daughter-in-law, Leanne Jackson, and it's just so good to be in the studio with both of you. And our topic is Become the Change You Want to See, which is Mahatma Gandhi's quote, and it's something which is very much a Jewish philosophy as well, which is tikkun olam, um, which is the concept of Judaism, of repairing the world and reaching out to others. We're going to be listening to a song after the first advert, which is uh, by uh, Kevin Erwig, Judy Erwig and Wendy Fine. It's on the land, the sea, you and me. It's on that um, CD. And Judy gave me permission to play it, and it's called The Recycle Rap. And I can't wait for Lisa to hear it because it's such a beautiful uh, um, song, especially for this program. And then we've got uh, a few, another YouTube about Tikkun Olam in Israel and then a song at the end. But there is a quote. There are only two ways to live your life. One is, is, is as if all that matters is to have someone to love and accept you. The other is as though loving and accepting another person is what matters. What do you think of that quote, Lisa? I, I think it's exactly the reality of how people should be living. Okay, great. Now, tell me about, I met you, you didn't see me there, but I was at um, a recycle event that you had with the recycle men. Now, I know that you're involved with Skim Psalm. Would you just tell us a bit about that? So what happened was I live in Melrose North on the James and Ethel Gray Park, and as a member um, of the Melrose North Residents and Ratepayers Association, we had a problem with the vagrants living in the park. So um, the traditional way to manage these, this problem, this community problem, was to get Metro Police, come and raid, and, and the men would just disappear. However, for 19 years, that hadn't been the reality. Men came back. And myself and Lisa Zimmerman started the Melrose North Residents and Ratepayers Association, and we decided to approach something a little bit differently. Or I should say we breathed, we breathed new life into the Melrose North Residents and Ratepayers Association. Anyway, so I suggested that we work with the men as a collective community um, because we're neighbors, actually. The reality is that they're not going anywhere. They've proved it to us. And so I said to them, if we could work as a team, the residents will separate their waste, you will keep the park clean, and we will find a way to help you if you help us. So these were all waste collectors, plastic waste collectors, or or so you'll tell us about the different yeah. wastes. So there's generally, they would go through residence dustbins and take um, all kinds of recyclables. The recyclables are very valuable because there are quite a few recyclable centers, and what the guys do is they collect a lot of tins, um, plastics, different kinds of plastics, different kinds of aluminium, different kinds of um, 
even old toys, batteries, whatever's going, they'll take. And what they do is they separate it into different commodities. So, for example, K4, which is um, cardboard, will be sold at one rand. So, for example, some buyback centers sell it for 80 cents. These men will find their favorable, um, the best price, and they will go to that particular buyback center. So just going back a moment to when you decided to start with them, how did you get co- cooperation from the other residents in the parks, the residents in your suburbs, and and the police? Um, I'm not so sure, actually. I think it's just because when I communicate with the men, there is no difference from, from these guys as opposed to my residents in living my next-door neighbor. In fact, they're quite nicer than my ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the truth is uh, I, I, I just communicated with them as real humans, equals, and I asked them why would they be choosing to live in the park when it's so dangerous and are they the ones that are bringing out the knives and killing us residents that wander in the park? I mean, it was it was basically developing a relationship. The relationship of trust only happened maybe a year and a half after I started engaging. It wasn't an, an instant um, trust and this woman's amazing. No, it wasn't like that. Um, in fact, they didn't even speak English to me for the first four months, even though they understood exactly what I was saying. So, so there's so there's that. I just suppose that because I persisted and because I treated them as normal, average um, um, humans. Humans, but I'm thinking of another word. Um, colleagues, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they they responded. When when I met Leanne, she she brought something different into the whole um, dynamic. So what Leanne did was it was actually I first met Leanne through Robin and um, Robin Schmuckler. Robin Schmuckler and Leora Carp, and there was one other lady. But um, anyway, so she so she she was just amazing. Leanne Leanne completely. Bought into the reality of other people's lives and realized that we all, being bleeding, I suppose, red blood, we all the same. And she realized that the only way to help the men was really outreach to the broader community, which wasn't my strength. So her and Melanie created that day you were talking about in Mandela Day, and and what they did was they brought an extra, well, they bring an extra value to the entire. System and anybody can create that system. It's not necessarily a scheme sum. Um, I just call it scheme sum because everybody works together, and it's a it's a location, it's a um, township lingo. Scheme oh, sum is, is that, that what yeah it is? yeah. So they like scheming together to make it a joint reality. Leanne, getting to you, what about this whole project actually touched your soul? Well, firstly, I'd like to say that Lisa is playing it down a bit because what she has done, and she hasn't got into the full story, but what she has done for these guys is amazing. I could never, ever do or have done what she has accomplished. And for me, I we, I just came in where Leora Karp, who was also involved, the one day was asking a whole group of us. It was winter. It was a really cold day. You know, we're collecting food for these guys. Why don't you come along, meet us? And that day I couldn't, but I quickly went to Woolworths. I got some coffee and I got some food and I dropped it at her house and it was wonderful. 
But a few weeks later, they were doing it again, and I thought, you know, I really want to go and actually see these guys. And that, for me, was very different compared to just dropping food off. Was it life-changing? Totally. It was, it was, that day was the day I said the next, there's definitely a big charity event that I want to do because, and I was so upset that day that my kids were busy in activities. Well, I was walking in the junkyard on a summer's day. I found a heap of treasure just thrown away. You wouldn't believe the things that I saw. There were buckles, beads, and bottles, and an old front door. A rocking chair completely off its rock, and a clock that lost its tick and tock. So I said to myself, I can fix that clock. And with a hammer and a nail, I get the chair to rock. There was a cake tin there, a copper kettle rusting. I looked inside, I said, that's disgusting. So I gave it a miss, but then you know what I found? A long-lost teddy bear line. Around. I'm gonna fix his button nose, I'll mend his paw I'll give it to Belinda Ann who lives next door You see, some trash is trash and some trash is treasure And the trash that is treasure could truly give pleasure Stop, think, before you throw it away A little Molly would love that darling Stop, think, before you throw it away Uncle Peter could fix that Peter Someone else, would you, you use it? Someone else, would you, you choose it? Stop, huh. don't throw it away so while I was trapped through the treasure in the trash, I found an old drum. I played a boom, bam, bash. A flower pot, a floppy thing that made a noise when I wobbled it and wiggled it and two broken toys. And then I saw a bicycle that looked quite new. All it needed was a clean-up and a bolt and a screw. There were a hundred different treasures just thrown away, lying in the junkyard on that summer's day. Stop, think, before you throw it away. You know, Mike could use that bike. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Lisa Lowenthal and Leanne Jackson, and we are talking about the project of the men who live in the parks and collect all the plastics and uh, that song that you've just heard, which Kevin Erwig was singing, is... is um, is just so apt for this show, isn't it, Lisa? And Judy, I think you're probably listening in. You're in Australia. And I just want to say thank you so much for giving me permission to use this song. It's On the Land, the Sea, and You and Me on the album. Um, what did you think of that song, Lisa? I, I saw you pointing it. to you were getting goosebumps. No, I loved it. In fact, I'm not sure who Judy is, but maybe she might be interested in collaborating with some of the urban miners. I call them urban miners exactly for that reason, because they mine for gold in our urban cities. And a teddy bear to um, one of Leanne's um, charities could be gold. A, a drum to one of Leanne's charities, gold. To to our miners, it's it's plastics, it's aluminiums, it's it's whatever they find is their gold, and that's how they earn their money and feed their kids. I I love 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 that song. I'm so pleased because it was almost intuitively led to me during the night. I suddenly woke up and I suddenly thought, oh, I've got to find that CD. Sent a message quickly to Judy this morning. The Anne, going back to you now. So you were saying that initially yes, saying, you so, delivered. Yes, so 
so when I actually went uh, that day to Melrose Park, where we actually took all food and we met these guys, it was a very different experience for me because meeting them, there was something about them. They were wonderful. They were the most humble, really amazing guys to go and see how they live, how they sleep was mind blowing. It, it was, it, 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 it was heartbreaking. But just by giving them and how appreciative they were that day, I thought this is something that I really want to do big and especially get the kids involved. In fact, that day, some of your other grandchildren are there and I know it affected them for a long time afterwards, seeing them sleeping by the river, no blankets, no shelter. And yeah, and just, and just realizing how lucky that we are. So that was always my intention to do it. And I think when the Mandela Day thing came up, um, Melanie Maloon, Robin Schmuckel and I were trying to think of what to do. And for me, it was a no brainer. For me, it was let's do it for Lisa's guys. And that was, that was my intention. And Lisa had took us into, um, her park more, uh, Bryanston side and I remember walking in that day where there are over a hundred and I don't know how many least 130 guys living there and that actually that specific day actually blew my mind because there I walked into this park beautiful park where you've got 130 guys living they've all set up their homes they've tried to make shelter out of boxes out of plastic all of them in their little areas have their big pile of aluminium, their big pile of bottles, paper. And my first thing, I mean, this was about 9 o'clock in the morning, and there were only probably two or three guys there. Um, you know, they went on to tell us how I know all the other guys had left at 2, 3 in the morning. This mm. is what they do. They go out at that time to walk to their different areas to start collecting waste. And the three or four guys that were there, I'm looking around thinking they've got every opportunity to go mad and take everyone else's commodities. I mean, there's just piles everywhere. And when I actually mentioned that, like, how do you, don't you steal from each other? I mean, they were actually quite offended. And for me, that was really, you know, for them, it's like, why would they even think of doing it? Mm -hmm. This is a community of 130 guys that most of them, I mean, in, uh, in this specific park, come from Lesotho, as far as I understand. They are all there with the same intention, just to make money to send home for their families. In fact, most of them left there where they all had professions and trades. I mean, Lisa can get into the story, but I know with all their work permits they got in the first few months that they were, they were here and they were raided, everything was burnt. Mm. So they couldn't find those jobs and they couldn't get jobs, and this is where they turned to this. They the intention is just everything is about money and sending it home to their family. Some of them have got 15 children to look after. Gosh. And they are a whole family. They all help each other. They all look after each other. And for me, it was absolutely amazing to see. And when you even ask them, like, what is the stuff that they want? For them, for themselves, yes, they need that little bit of money for food so they can actually eat. For them, it was about soap and things to keep themselves clean. But everything else is all about their family. That's all they care about. That's and, amazing. And, yeah, and that mm. was... If you would like to SMS us, you may on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. A little bit later, I will actually pick up on that, uh, Leanne, because you took me with you that day. And for me, it was an incredible experience, uplifting. Um, I was just really honored to actually be there, to tell you the truth. That's, that's the feeling that I got. And subsequently, I have looked at these men so yeah. differently. And just last week, I was in Norwood. 
and uh, I saw a man pulling his trolley along. It looked pretty empty, and I felt quite sorry for him because it was already about 10 o'clock, and he didn't have much in his packet. So I stopped to say hello, and I gave him something, and I said, and well done, you know, you do such a, a good, honest job. And his face just broke into the smile, his eyes filled with tears, and I might add, so did mine. We sort of looked at each other, a soul to soul almost, I can say, with tears in our eyes. And he thanked me and I drove off. And I was meeting a friend for coffee. About an hour and a half later, I was going down Grant Avenue in Norwood and I see someone uh, sort of waving at me and I look and it's he, it's him. He's with another two friends now by that stage. They're all pulling their trolleys along. It looked a bit fuller. But, uh, and, and then he, he gave a gesture of thanks to me, you know, sort of like, uh, thanks for, for, and I, uh, for the acknowledgement. And I acknowledged him back. It was an incredible sense of human to human contact. Now, Lisa, just going to you, I know you're playing down what you do. But I actually on I picked up Skiam Psalm on video, uh, and okay, I'm going to talk about that shortly. The best part of your day at the heart of your community. All the talk, all the music, all the news. Hi FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests are Lisa Lowenthal and Leanne Jackson, my daughter-in-law. And we are talking about um, the recycling of plastics and the men who actually do it and recycling of many other things, which Lisa and Leanne will also talk about. You've just heard the Tikkun Olam um, uh, YouTube from Israel. And today I actually got a message to say that the Syrian baby has, is back in hospital. She'd had a life saving operation and she was back for further ups today so that's how reaching out to others and healing which is just such an integral part or should be of us all lisa okay i wanted to say that you said that you had formed a relationship with them to ensure their best interests to improve their income and their living standards these are micro-entrepreneurs, you said, and I want to legitimize them and bridge the gap between the Ratepayers Association and these people. They are the gold of our city. Our city would be in a dismal state environmentally without them. I loved what you said there. What makes you feel that they are so important to our city? So it's very well documented that our city has been saved but maybe 750 million rand a year from the help of these um, men that are pulling the trolleys. And I just feel that us as, as residents should understand that what they've done for the saving of our landfill, the saving of <clears throat> the environment that we, that we live in, I mean, especially now that they're cleaning our parks and all you have to do is just explain, listen, you know, this is actually how we would want um, our, our, our litter being um, taken away. So what they do is they put it in, in bags and city parks comes and collects, even though we don't have a, a formal agreement with the city um, because a lot of this, it's unlawful for people to be living in the park. So there needs to be some kind of work with the city, which I know there's lots of people doing and lots of organizations working towards um, 
But the sad thing is that we as residents are not realizing the the value of what they have brought to us. Now that the city has legislated that we have to separate its source, it's fantastic because that will save our landfills. It will save our environment from from plastic waste. Um, but I think that the, the the element that we're missing is the fact that we should thank the men that that came and started saving our city. That 750 million. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we should give back to them whether it's sending because the city doesn't want them here necessarily. So then send them back to Little Lesotho and give them the money that they saved. You know, um, instead of trying to capitalize off what they have created. And what they've created is um, businesses. Like I say, they're small entrepreneurs, but now the macro entrepreneurs, the bigger companies, want to take what they have created um, and and make money from waste. Because believe me, there's a lot of money in waste. And that's very sad to actually think that it might be taken away from these men who are really dedicated to it. But I see that you also... Yes. Can I just, so so the, the, the saddest thing is that they're such men of integrity that... You all know about Mondi. You put your Mondi papers out. You know that now we're separating at waste and we get those fantastic free blue bags from the city and we put our mm. stuff in, in that. The truth is that the men won't touch that because it doesn't belong to them. Gosh, is so, that so? So we're putting it into this this fantastic free bag and all we really need to do is go to hypermarket or go wherever and buy a plastic bag, a clear see-through bag, and put our recyclables in that so that we're not taking their commodity and giving it to someone legally to someone else. Mm, that's actually a, quite a subject, that, on its own. I see you also went in and you decided that you were going to actually show them how hygiene, hygiene um Rules and money, how to cope with their money. Yeah. What did you actually do? How did you get that going? So, when I, Leanne was saying that they most need soap, that's what they want, soap and um, cleaning materials. So, before the soap and the cleaning material, before I, uh, I went in there, their space, you know, they haven't got a mother or they haven't got, you know, they, they're young men that came out to Johannesburg, South Africa, looking for, for, for work. And basically what I did was I, I showed them that if they take the, the excess litter that they didn't want, and instead of throwing their food, their litter, their waste onto the floor, if they collect all of that, they rake up their stuff, they put it into plastic bags, they, they, um, they get rid of it properly, no rats will come into their space, no, and, and if they use or find a way to, to a, where they go for ablutions. Now, in, in James and Ethel Gray Park, we've, um, worked a, a solution where they use the public toilets and they don't have to pay two rand to use it to, to the other entrepreneur or micro entrepreneur. Her name is, um, um, I can't even think of her name right now, Balentle, and she went and, 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 and she basically, what she does is she used to charge two rand for them to come and use the loo now. I've worked out a plan that she doesn't have to charge them. So the park doesn't smell. The park hasn't got as many rats. And and that's what we do. We just teach them sl- just basic hygiene, what we know already, you know. Which they didn't really have a chance for living in the park. Yeah. Now we've made it easier. We've put little structures into place. And, and in terms of um, businesses what, and money, what I've done is I found a bank. And what they've done for me is they come to the parks and they 
um, most the, the bank does. The someone. bank does, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they open up accounts for the men hmm, in that's the parks, amazing. yeah, where they couldn't be, well, they wouldn't have had access. And also the thing about talking about dignity and humanity, the men didn't have dignity, or they 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 weren't quite sure what their value was until I went in and I said to them, the truth is that you guys are the the crown jewels of Johannesburg's crown, and um, and once they, I mean, they always knew it. But once they realized that us as community members and the residents and the businesses started to, to, to feel the same way, they, they walked with their heads a lot higher and it's, and now they're not shy to say hello and they don't mm-hmm. walk with their eyes hidden. And mm-hmm. um, the fact that they walk around with balaclavas is only because it smells and they, yeah. they're protecting their face for, from the smell. It's not because they want to hide their identity. And and in talk, talking about hiding identity, some of their their family, because of being such a shameful in inverted commas job prior to people understanding what the re, real value of them um, is, they they didn't want to let their families know what they do. Hmm. How sad. Yeah. Gee. Now you know, going on that level, um, on on that note, actually, Lee, what. I know that Jordan had something, my granddaughter Jordan, your daughter, mm-hmm. had something to say about um, about um, what she had actually come to realize about them and also to appreciate who they were. What did she say? Well, I think, yeah, I will, uh, I'll, I'll go back to what she said, but just to go back is when we had this Mandela Day and there were, there must have been, I don't know, 80, 90 children. Um, you know, the feedback from every family is every – Never mind the, the adults, but the children. Everyone's got a very, very different view when they see these guys. Um, the adults, you know, everyone is getting to know the guys in their area. They see them in such a different light. Everyone now knows their guys personally by name. You make a sandwich, you give them something to eat. They are the most humble, appreciative people. And, you know, for what the kids, how the kids have got involved. So I know that when we came back from that Mandela Day, I mean, my daughter Jordan, she took those bins, she labeled them. There's not a day that goes by that anyone in my family can try and even throw a plastic thing into the dustbin. I mean, she's very, has to be done properly. And this morning when I said to her, you know, I'm coming on the raid and I said, you know, if you could send a message out to people about the recycle guys, you know, what would you say? And her response to me was firstly is that people must not be scared of them. That there's nothing wrong with them. They are not bad people. In fact, they're actually wonderful people. And if people just realized how much they are helping our environment, people would feel very differently. And she just wishes that everyone and every family would get involved with the kids and start separating because it is it's such an easy thing to do. And she said out of all of this is her biggest thing that she got out of it is how much she learns to appreciate what she's got. You know, I, I've got uh, Lisa's guys that come to me every few weeks to collect. I mean, my husband thinks I've got a rubbish dump going in my house, but I collect all the stuff <laughs> and I will not do anything with but give it to specific guys. And, in fact, Sunday in the pouring rain, they were coming out at, at 9 o'clock. And I, at half past eight, I even sent a message to the guys saying, you know, Shem, it's like really cold and raining. Do you want to treat, make it later? Maybe it would have stopped raining. And never got a response. And my doorbell rang at 9 o'clock. And I, I actually felt bad because I thought, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, it's, it's raining, it's cold. Now I've got to go outside and pick up these bags.
bags. The reality is probably they were happy being in the car because they live in the park. This is the whole weekend they are living under the rain with no shelter, with no comfort. And there I'm sitting and thinking how uncomfortable. But for them, this is a reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just makes you realize how lucky we are. And, yeah, so our daughter's message was very profound, and that's what she gets out of it. And I feel the same, that I just wish everyone would look at them very, very differently and just to befriend them like you did. Say hello. Lisa, you wanted to say something. So in terms of why they live in the park, I think it's very important because nobody really wants to live in a park living under the rain and and in in those kind of conditions. Except the truth is that there is no place for them to lock up their commodity. I mean, in, in Peter Place, they are, are obviously very loyal to each other and they've lo- uh, they live as a community. But when you're living in a park, in an open space, you need to still protect mm-hmm. that work that you've been doing. And I certainly am not going to have somebody living in my backyard bringing in their ways to sort and to so, – so the reality is that we don't have spaces um, for the men to, to, keep their, to keep their sorted or to keep their commodities, and that is the only reason that they're living in the park. If we as, as, as maybe I'm, – I'm sure Johannesburg's looking at it, I don't know – but to find separating spaces for the men in the areas that they work – the reason that they don't want to live in Hillbrow is because they've got nowhere to leave their, their gold. Mm, mm. That's so true. And that's something that I really noticed when I was going through the park. Um, first of all, I was really humbled by their conditions, their living conditions. And yet even within those little shacks that were made out of cardboard boxes and plastic, they were clean yep. inside and there was pride in them. Um, in the one I saw a, a pair of jeans really nicely folded with a pair of shining shoes uh, on top of them. And I thought, you know, there's such pride in that. And and how do you keep dry? How do you keep warm? Here we are in our warm homes and everything. And this is right on our doorstep. It is a, it is a tragedy. It really is. But I think if we can make people aware, as you are, that there there is something we can do. We're not helpless. We're not hopeless either. And uh, there there is hope out there that we can do something. And I think so often we feel overwhelmed, uh, especially in our country, of, of what is needed. But each of us in our own way can do something, just a small thing, to help another person. And you you did a big thing. Lisa, tell me about when you were a child. What sort of child were you? Were you a caring child? Did you care about other people? I've always cared about other people, but I was I was a little bit of a wild child. Um, <laughs> my sister, if I was nasty to my sister, which I really was, every time I had a fight with her or I was mean, I would go down to the shop and buy her a little sorry gift. You know, so 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 but with that was just with in the in the in the family. But when we moved when I moved out of the family I was very just aware of the fact that there was, you know, I grew up in apartheid and I, I realized that there was a difference and, and that upset me. So what I would always make a plan or, you know, in those days you could walk in the streets at the age of 10. I would be out in the streets chatting to men, women and finding out what exactly they, they did. And I never really got the true answers because living under those conditions, the, the, you know, white person was quite, you know, they just told me what 
I necessarily wanted to hear. I, mm. I don't think so I not always got the truth. The truth. Mm. No, but I think that just by approaching them, my friend Wendy and I would do it a lot. We just go and approach and chat and you know just so you treat always, people as human. So you've always connected on a deeper level with people. Yeah, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, when I was, I started a little organization in the early nineties um, called Feed SA. And what that was was basically collecting food to uh, to help different communities. Um, my friend Candace Etberg and I started um, growing it. Well, Candace actually grew it a lot more than I could because my it was like a partnership, almost like Leanne and I. I I know how to work with with the people in in the communities and to find out what their needs are. And I always needed somebody to help me connect with the bigger community mm-hmm. um, so that we could get the, the, the story out. And what about your family? How have they reacted to you being so involved with, um, with this project? Um, for them, it's something that, that's just what I do. I mean, Are they involved as well? No. They, they, they're involved financially. Like mm. they just allow me to be me. In fact, my husband, shame it costs him a fortune every month. <laughs> <laughs> For you to be you. For me to be me. Um, so yeah, so I'm very, very fortunate that I've always, well, I suppose that's where the generosity and the, and the need to care for others come from. It's not just me as a human. It's me from my, from my family. Mm. They, mm. they, that's what they taught us. And as you say, there are different ways that people can can actually assist. So your husband is assisting you to do this work. So yeah. in his, he's very involved actually. Yeah. Then and my kids, my kids don't they get cross? You know, it's like you you care about the waste collectors more than I. I call them urban miners, as I said. Yes. Um, but but in, at the end of the day, they they're very supportive. That's fantastic to hear. And you, Lee, what is what does this mean to you being involved here? What has it brought into your life? You know, I always just say, and I know we've done shows and talks about it before, but, you know, to give something, you know, what what people don't realize is that giving to others, as much as you're benefiting them, the benefit to yourself far outweighs that. 100%. And, 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 and what this is, what's so amazing about this is that this costs no, it doesn't cost you a cent. Mm. This is not about giving money or giving whatever. It's your, you've got a dustbin full of waste that is so easy to separate. It's your, you're benefiting one individual that you can change their lives. But what it, what it does for you every time, these guys come with a truck and I load it with everything. I, it's, it, and they are so grateful. They are the most humble, grateful human beings I've ever come across. In fact, I always say, if I had my own business, the first people I would employ would be these. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guests today are Lisa Lowenthal and Leanne Jackson. And the time is passing very quickly that we've got a lot to talk about still. But you know, when you said just now, Lee, that by reaching out, we do reach in. There is a quote, I don't even know who it's by actually, and it says, if you're not reaching back to help anyone, then you are not building a legacy. And this, by this legacy, I believe it's for the generations to come after us that it's yeah. so important to actually 
show that we are involved and we do treat people with dignity and try and help people less fortunate. And by doing so, we do reach in and heal ourselves. Lisa, you wanted to mention something about a, a business that was actually being started by these men. So in their world, it's a business. It's very sweet. So um, what they've I've got a security guard because because any time anything happens in the park, you know, there's obviously um, chances out there and and no gooders. And if they will attack somebody in the park, which happens and does happen, um, the men are the the first to be blamed. So what they've now done is they've created this little community security company um it, it's under a guy jack who are who's our local security guy he works for adt and um what he does is he's got four men that live in the park and they patrol so they go up and down and they make sure that if there are any danger or, or weird looking people in the park they know who those you know they know they know the community, and I have to just say the the way that this started was by introducing because talking about in in James and Ethel Gray Park there were lots of little pockets of the men, and they didn't trust each other. So the reason Scheme Psalm came to be is because I said to everybody, "Come, we're having a huge meeting. We're not living in Lesotho. We're living in one park, and that's the James and Ethel Gray Park. We're living under Melrose, and and we all." part of the community. So now you have to treat each other as neighbors as well as the residents and we work as a team. And that's why everybody knows each other. They know the guys across the road which are from Zimbabwe. They know the guys from all over the South Africans and now we've become a collective and a, and a force. Mm. And so the four guys patrol the park and they're trying to to stop. I'm not saying that we have the perfectly safest park but we, I, I believe that it's safer than, than in my view. A lot of the community members might disagree with me, but uh, I think the way, or I would feel safe walking in the park, knowing that there's there's eyes and ears watching out for for the unsavouries. That's actually a lovely initiative that they started on their own too. Yeah, um, which is fantastic. Just um, going back to you, um, there was something else that I actually wanted to to ask you. And I'm just trying to think what it was. Oh, yeah. I wanted you to, to know. Just tell us one story, if you can. You know, they can remain anonymous of someone who, who's really touched your, your life and changed your so, opinions. So, so as in not necessarily these, the, the waste collectors. It doesn't have to be the waste collectors, but somebody who has actually brought you into a, re- a realization about somebody's Strength. Um, I think minutely. I always find something positive about someone else. Um, so let's go to the 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 collectors then. Your miners. Okay. Tell so, me a story about one of them. So each miner, most miners, I know personally and I know well enough to be able to communicate. Um, there's there's a few. The one the one story that stands out is a guy by the name of Pakiso. He's actually a leader of the Peter Place guys. Leanne adores him. Um, anyway, so what he, he his, his story is that he came to South Africa as working in mines. He brought himself up and first he was a basic miner, then he brought himself up to become a, a, a construction vehicle driver and eventually he became the 
driver of all the abnormals on the in the mine. And he got qualifications, and obviously he, he had papers to prove what he did. And when he stayed, in, when the mine closed down, he didn't have a job. So he came back to Johannesburg, and that's where he found his place at, at Peter Place. And one of the raids burnt all his qualifications. Aww. So now he, ha- he can't go back to the mine because the mine closed down. He can't find those qualifications again. And he has become the driver of, of Scheme Sum. We got a truck donated. My husband donated a, a trailer. And what we do is we go and we find, uh, well, we go and collect the men. They give us a roster. And, and Pakiso gets paid by the men. And we get a little bit of money for the petrol. My husband pays for the insurance and, and all the other things that go wrong with the truck. But, um, but the men are basically their own businesses. They're micro-entrepreneurs working collectively for each other. That's fantastic. Now, Lee, tell me, um, Lisa said that you respect this man. What, what is it about some of the others that you respect? Have you got any stories to tell? Well, I do. I mean, as I say, the few that I've met, I mean, they are always the ones that stand out. And Pakiso is, I mean, he's amazing. Um, you know, in fact, when we did the Mandela Day, we actually had a reporter there who took down some of these guys' stories. And that's what I'd like to share because it just gives you an insight into the lives of some of them. Um, so there is, there's one guy who was a, a diamond miner back in Lesotho. And he had left behind three children aged 12, 7, and 5 to walk the streets of Joburg every day. He's up at 5 a.m. filling his trolley with recyclables, which he redeems for cash. And all the cash basically gets sent back to Lesotho for the school fees for his children. Um, He's basically walking 6 to 10 kilometers a day, and he's done by mid-morning. They then basically return. He returns back to the park where they do all their work and all their sorting. Um, the nights, he says, are long and freezing, but him and his fellow recycle, uh, recyclers, they look out for each other, burning pallet boxes and whatever else they can find to stay warm. Mm. They cook mealy meal in rusty paintings, and they rely on the kindness of strangers for clothing and the little luxuries that make life bearable. Oh, you know, so that's, that's one story. Um, I mean... Were these were these the ones that were actually published? By? Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. just tell us another uh, one. Another one. I mean, also, I mean, also one of our favourite ones, uh, the Kusinati. Kusinati. Uh, yeah. Thirty uh, years old, who matriculated in Zimbabwe, but he struggled to find work. Uh, very tired of the poverty, his wife then abandoned him and left him to actually look after their their young daughter. He had to leave his daughter with his mother back uh, in Zimbabwe, and he moved to Johannesburg to find work. He joined the recycle, uh, the recyclers of Melrose, walking as far as Santon and Rosebank day after day mm. and sending home money to support his family. Um, the Metro cops also burnt the little, the little that he had on many occasions, but he believes and hoping that they finally understand that him and his fellow recyclers, they are not criminals. They are working to support their loved ones. They are tied to families that they haven't seen in years across thousands of kilometers through one thing only, integrity. That is their biggest thing, integrity. Every day, Nkosanati sets off in the early hours of the morning, as I say, a lot of them, two, three o'clock in the morning, working to provide for those who are counting on him. 
But he's one of them. I know on that day he he wouldn't let us take his picture. And mm-hmm. his reason, he doesn't want his family to find out what he does or where he lives. Aww. He has told them that he's a contractor. In their eyes, he still feels he has dignity and he doesn't want to lose that or be disappointed by what his family think of him. Oh, isn't that sad? And every story is basically follows on the same mm-hmm. thing. And, and, and they really, they just, that is, it's, they're very humbling, full of integrity and all they want to do is support their family. Gosh, well, I must admit that that Mandela Day um, event um, that I was there at, I just so admired what both of you had were doing. I mean, Lee, what you had put together with other mothers and fathers and children and got all of them involved. And you, Lisa, knowing all the all the men that you work with, there was such dignity in it. And I came away just feeling Wow, this is fantastic for my grandchildren to actually be involved in this. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests are Lisa Lowenthal and Leanne Jackson. And I keep forgetting to give out the SMS, which is 34519, and the WhatsApp, which is 0618951019. I just wanted to read this one thing that actually Fakiso said about you, Fakiso Senakani. The police are fighting us and Lisa protects us. I stay near the park in Parkmore and she has organized transport for our material and has stopped the Metro police from destroying our things. The residents are no longer angry with us because we clean up the park and keep it clean. Now, that's lovely. That's dignity there. Lisa, what is it that you would like to say to people who ever, whoever might be tuned in today, uh, to our community, to other communities? Because I'm sure there's, there's a lot that churches and shuls and mosques and everyone, schools can do. How can they get hold of you to find out what they can actually do? So they can email me on lisalonethal at yahoo.com or call me on my cell number 083-227-2722. Um, but basically, just if if people recycle, um, we've got a little thing going with Crawford where we vetted two or three men, police vetted, just so that they know that the kids are safe. Mm-hmm. The guys go in and the Crawford um, school separate all their waste. And what the men do is they go in, they clean out their waste areas take their commodity and make sure that and the, and leave the the remaining waste for their waste company that comes to So to other profit. schools could easily do that yeah. couldn't they yeah. and businesses and, and business, businesses yes. well currently we're working in Melrose Arch and Melrose Arch has afforded eight men the opportunity to create their own businesses within their waste areas um the the security has see well we've given photographs and identity and and vetted the guys for the security at Melrose Arch and what the men do is they go they they clean through the the waste areas they separate the waste they remove all the waste and keep the areas spotless it doesn't smell it's it's an unbelievable quid pro quo um working in Melrose with the men that's fantastic. And I see that you keep a database of, uh, of all the men that you actually do work with. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, a, there's definitely security in that as well. You're yeah. not just letting any outsider no. come in and, and claim that, you no. know, what you're no. putting together there. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, how would you like 
your community, the people that you work with, how would you like them to get more involved? I just say that things that we aren't aware of or we don't know how to do it might seem a bit scary. It is such an easy thing to do, and you can give out my details at the end of the show, Sue, as well. And I just say to people, please, if you want to do it, phone me. It's easy. I will help you. I will help your domestic workers do it. It's such a simple thing. Get your kids involved. Please, let's all try and do this. It's helping ourselves, not costing anything, and we are giving back so much more than we than we're actually aware of. So we're here to help you. I'd be so happy to take another group in to go. I would love everyone to go and see what these guys are all about, how they live and what they do. It, it will change your whole view. So and for I'm teachers, happy. this is wonderful. Just give mm-hmm. out your number quickly and then we've got a wrap up. 082-820-3017. The time has gone so quickly and um, Craig is telling me that I'm going to have to wrap up. I just want to say thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show with me and you, Leanne, for being here. This is such a worthwhile project. I hope the two of you just keep your energy going. Uh, next week, I've got Rabbi Ron Hendler coming on, and he's talking about forgiveness in an unforgiving world. And I'd like to end with this quote, Chain of Love by Molly uh, Friedenfeld. A purposeful act or extension of kindness to another is never wasted, for it always resides in the hearts of all involved in a chain of love. I'd like to end with that and with a beautiful song by Westlife called You Raise Me Up.